you will come as far as the oak of Tabor. And there, three men... What's that? They moved down to Mississippi. They go down to the oak of Tabor. Oh, <laughs> there you go. They, yeah, they go by... You know, country people give you directions, right? Right. Yeah. The first oak on the right. So, yeah, that's right. Then... Well, that would be equal to what uh, what an oak would be, yeah. So three men are going to be going up to God at Bethel. So that's where they're heading. They will meet you. One of them carrying three young goats. So now we've got donkeys. Now we have goats in the story. Another. What's that? Goats. Yeah, the young goats and those carrying little birds. Yeah, kids. I want to be the one carrying the wine. Well, no, little goats are very easy to carry multiples at once. How many of you carried at one time, Debbie? Well, I had four at one time. There we go. <laughs> there we go, Audrey. Okay. I mean, when they're born, they're they're little bitty things. Mm-hmm. And that's and mine says goats, but the word I think kids is probably mine more says, accurate. Mine says kids. Yeah, which means little. Yep. I was reading that at first. <laughs> Three kids. <laughs> here we go. You know, I don't, I don't call children kids anymore because of that. Because <laughs> you raise goats. <laughs> you know, they call Tom Brady a goat. And I, for the longest time, I didn't, get, I didn't get it until just a few days ago. I've heard this for years. He's the goat. Well, I know he's the guy's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. And I finally figured it out. Greatest of all time. Yeah. Ah. Goat. No. Okay. Why didn't I get that? Anyway. Some, the, goat. Some, the goat. I don't know if it's a sports writer or what, but just wrote a book talking to goats. And that's what that's Talk it. Oh, that's, that's right. I just saw that the other day. Yeah. I think it's a new book or something yeah. that's out. Yeah. yeah. One of my mamas had four at a time. She usually had four babies at a time. And you could pick up, I'd grab two of them under each arm. and mm-hmm. Because they can get out of anything. Oh, they I can get out of the little bittiest holes. Oh, I hate <laughs> to mention it, but these are probably a good size to eat, is what they're indicating. <laughs> so, you can't carry them if they get that big. <clears throat> well, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, I've got three young goats. Anyway, same thing. Another carrying three loaves of bread. It's probably not wonder bread, you know, with the, with the sack. You know, it's, it's you know, the bread, it's like little round cakes. Yeah. A little disc, yeah. And another one was carrying a jug of wine. His name was Otis. He came from Mayberry. <laughs> anyway. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't get it. Oh, no. That was a talent drunk. Okay, I'm having too much fun here. You're not supposed to enjoy yourself or have fun when you study the Bible. Just kidding. Okay. And they will greet you. 
carrying a jug of wine. Wait, 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 wait. They will, give, they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread. Now the guy has three. He's going to give up two loaves. Is the servant along with Saul? I take that he is, right? He joined him somewhere along the line. Yeah, so they each get a loaf. A big cookie or something, you know, like those cookies that you get in the, you know, at the mall, you know. Uh, just anyway. Which you will accept from their hand. Okay. It's not, it's going to be easy to figure out if these guys are real or not. Okay. What? Three young goats. One guy's carrying them. What? Uh, three loaves of bread and a jug of wine. That's them. That's the guys. That's what he said. Part of me wonders if these are real people or if they're like angels in disguise. I think they're real people. Because my question is like, why would, if you just happen to be walking along the road, what inspires a guy who has three loaves of bread to just hand over two to some guy that... Because God told him to. Jesus ran into that kind of thing too. You remember whenever he was in Jerusalem and he you know, he wanted to... As they were preparing... Excuse me for the Passover. Do you remember that? You're going to see this one one man. He's going to be carrying water on you know on top of his head and such. Anyway, because uh, it's usually women that carry that, so that was an indication. Interesting. You know, God already knows that, so He tells Samuel to say it. And there it is. Anyway, it's still supernatural because you know this is not accident that these things are going to happen for the sacrifice. Those are probably, you know, so they use goats. So you got the meat, the bread, the wine, the blood, and the body, and the offering. I don't know. Those are obviously. So he works that in. Yeah. Those are obviously representing Christ somehow. And they still have a loaf of bread to go up there and do that part of the thing, so they're okay there. Afterward, you will come to the hill of God. Here's the third one now. <laughs> um. You will come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is and it shall be as soon as you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and a lyre before them and they will be prophesying. So what you have here now is a third sign. The hill of God, really, uh, where the Philistine garrison is stationed at, and it's different from the first two now because uh, in at least two regards, I think you can see here that the first sign is, I guess you could say, is publicly witnessed and at least, I think, partially grasped as significance, right? That first sign. We're informed of the prophecy Samuel gave to Saul regarding the two men he would meet. And so we have... Uh, and then the Spirit of, of God is going to be coming on, on Saul here, but you have a, a witnessing here, um, a public witnessing, and it, it's significant. Two men he'd meet, later on three men, they would uh, meet at Bethel, which we just saw. Now we're given an account that uh, this is an impact that has on the uh, whole nation of Israel. And we get... Something interesting in verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, and you shall prophesy with them and be changed into another man. 
It shall be when these signs come to you, do for yourself what the occasion requires, for God is with you. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings, sacrifice peace offerings. You shall wait seven days until I come to you and show you what you should do. And then it happened, when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God changed his heart. And all those signs came about on that day. The third sign is one which really catches the people's attention now. So this is one of the reasons why this is different than anything else because now he is prophesying with this merry band. Notice their instruments? They're a traveling group. They go over the, all over the country, right? They, uh, they have their instruments and they take them with them. Can you imagine that? Prophesying, singing, playing their instruments, making music. And Saul doesn't do these kind of things, and this is for his benefit. Okay, we, we saw the two men, we saw the three men. Now, this merry group called the prophets, he runs into and he, start, he just joins in with them. He starts prophesying. This is an amazing incident. This is just not him. He's changed. At least for that time point right there. It's a public demonstration. It's quite important here. Uh, God has empowered Saul to judge the nation. And so when you see in the Old Testament when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon somebody... It's for them to be able to lead the country, whether it be a king or a prophet. The Spirit of God is now upon them in leading the people. I think that's quite an interesting thing. You remember when Moses was leading the nation of Israel? Um, However many they were, a million people, two million, who knows, but uh, he had a father-in-law and he said, you just can't do this by yourself. You need help. And then they, what they did is they appointed 70 judges to help along with him. I know it's in Numbers 11, but uh, all 70 of them then prophesy. It's like the Spirit of God comes upon them to do what they're supposed to be doing here. And so the eyes of the nation were upon them And they demonstrated that the Spirit of God had come upon them. They were empowered. That's what that was about. Not exactly the way that we have the Holy Spirit who comes and lives in us. Because the Spirit of God could come in somebody and empower them and the Spirit of God could also leave. Uh, Same Holy Spirit, but it was about being empowered. And so those 70 men during the time of Moses were empowered to serve as judges. This is what's happening to Saul. He's being empowered to be a king. To judge the nation as a king. And I don't think it was in him at all to do this kind of thing. Especially to be prophesying. And this is done in public. 
And so the change in Saul becomes actually proverbial. Uh, Verse 10, When they came to the hill there, behold, a group of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came upon him mightily so that he prophesied among them. It came about when all who knew him previously saw that he prophesied, now with the prophets, that the people said to one another, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Hey, Avel, when you first became a Christian, (laughs) he used used to hang out with all the guys, you know, okay, and then all of a sudden, you changed. And all of a sudden you just, you know, you just said what you, you know, you felt what you, you knew what had happened to you and everything. Mm-hmm. And did people believe you at first? Um, yeah. I mean, people noticed a change. And, you know, when I started speaking to them about it, you know, they didn't really... They didn't really take too well to it. Did they know that something was wandering. really different? They were wandering what? around behind his back saying, what happened to him? Not really. <laughs> no, no, Most likely, really, it was just, when I started becoming a Christian, there, my family was already pretty divided at that time. So it was really me alone a lot <laughs> already. So... They didn't actually start to witness my growth until a little bit later. And then when I started coming around again, you know, then they were kind of opposed. So I was like, you guys try to quit cussing or, you know, no, I don't do this or I don't do that. Or, you know, trying to fix some of the broken, trying to fix some of the brokenness, you know, most of the stuff that I caused. Try to work on fixing that in our relationships. And, you know, are you a Christian? <laughs> they never really said that. They never attacked me on that. Not until lately. <laughs> Not until lately. Hey, it's going to stick. Like, yeah, no, they, now they're like, no, you just don't let yourself have any fun. You're taking yeah. a little bit too far yeah. here. Seriously. Like, you should <laughs> consider other religions that allow you to do what you want. And I was like, yeah, I wasn't that the, religion. That's the that's problem. That's not the point. That's not the point of all this. Yeah. I so there's freedom in Christ. And, that's know, right. You get to have fun. It's just not what you guys think is right. fun. Have peace. It is fun, isn't it? Uh, it's it's real fun. The kind uh, of fun we never had before. And it is satisfying. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm sure that this really staggered the people. You know, the change in him was, it became proverbial. It says at 12, a man there said, now, who, who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. You know, uh, even those who do not, I guess, I guess you could say, uh, Maybe a lot of people who didn't witness what happened here probably heard about it. I'm sure it got around. And, you know, it's one thing about, you know, maybe become a little religious, but when you join the prophets, at least, you know, it's not that it's it's a full-time thing because he's not really a prophet, but at this point in time, he is at that time. 
with them. Prophesying with them. It's, he's, it, people witness it, they tell it. And it becomes a proverbial saying here. Everybody knows about it. And this would be the pers- first public indication that something special is happening with Saul here. Well, what do you suppose they were doing? I mean, they had all that music going on, and they were prophesying. What does that mean exactly? Uh, proclaiming the truth of God. Yelling uh, it out in the streets as they walked along. Or? Yeah, I have to wonder if maybe yeah. they're, you know, are they telling things of the future? Yeah. They very well could. Yeah. Maybe they're talking about the kingdom that that is coming here very shortly. Uh, maybe they're just proclaiming, you know, the, how great God is and identifying, you know, what's happening here amongst them. It doesn't really say, yeah. but um, that's trying, what I always yeah, want. What are they saying? What are they singing? All this music going on. Yeah. And they're walking along. This, I mean, they got to be just all walking along together, right? And People so notice they this, don't they? different stuff. Everybody's yelling out. So what are they doing? And they look like a bunch of holy rollers. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're singing a bunch of them Jewish songs. Yeah, maybe they're singing the Proverbs. That haven't been written yet. <laughs> Harp, tamarind, flute, <laughs> No guitar there, but I guess. What's the stringed instrument? What was the stringed instrument? Harp. Harp. Because it says harp there separately. A stringed instrument, tambourine, flute, and harp. So the stringed instrument. Harp, tambourine, flute, and a lyre. Did you have lyre? L y r e. No, I didn't have lyre. That would be, right? Right. What's a liar look like? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be able to identify a liar. <laughs> Some kind of an upside down guitar, maybe, or sideways? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like a, like a first gen guitar. It was basically there you go. a sound box with arms in a U shape supporting a bar across the top. That's the guitar to me. That's an early guitar. <laughs> It's like a, it's a before the banjo. It's the first banjo. Box. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think those guys are having a good time. <laughs> and there's Saul right in the midst with them. <laughs> He's doing what they're doing. Well, I remember seeing these. This is what a liar looks like. That's what they're doing. It's kind of a U-shaped, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like a heart. Trying to find a picture of it. Cool. A sound box with arms in a U shape supporting a bar across the top. Mm. Kind of like a oh. top box. Yeah, this Did you is see that? That's a liar. Is that a harp? Why does it look like a harp? Well, a harp is a harp. Yeah, it's like a J. <laughs> this is, it's like this a C. is a small. This is the miniature version of a harp. Okay, now the three signs happen, right? And. He says, what I want you to do is go to Gilgal and we're going to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings. Now that's going to be uh, Samuel doing that. He's the one, Saul, who's going to be a king, is not to be offering up sacrifices, which he will later do. So he's supposed to wait there seven days until Samuel comes. So he says, do whatever you do, you know. Then it happened when he uh, 
God changed his heart, those signs came about on that day. So Samuel came, and it's like, boy, a total change in Samuel. So would you say that there's been quite a mark made on Saul? Well, verse 14, Now Saul's uncle said to him, and his servant, he's really wondering, what's going on? Where, where'd you go? Well, where did Saul's <clears throat> uncle come from? Um, I think he's. I think this is after he goes back home. Oh. Finally, you know, he's he's done the uh, prophesying. He's done that the, the uh, sacrifices with uh, Samuel. And so he says, "Where did you go?" And he said, "To look for the donkeys." <laughs> well, of course. When we saw that they could not be found, we went to Samuel. He doesn't say anything more, though. Saul's uncle said, well, please tell me what Samuel said to you. He wants to know what's... Wow, and so this guy must know who Samuel is, right? His uncle. And he says, well, what did he say? What would you do there? You know, he's really wanting to know. So Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. He told us, that, well, that's quite remarkable, isn't it? That's what a seer would do. He did it. But he did not tell him about the matter of the kingdom which Samuel had mentioned. So, you know, the uncle is really wanting to know. He gets a conversation started up. And Saul is really sketchy about the whole thing. He doesn't give much at all. Doesn't give the whole story. Definitely not. Probably and He doesn't tell him about prophesying. Has Saul already gone down to Gilgal? Waiting for seven days? Yeah, yeah. And then he's gone home now. Yeah. Okay. We fast forward. Time skip. Well, I think they should fill in the blanks for me. uh, I mean, here he is, and he told him, and I don't see where he ever went to Gilgal. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yep, he did that. Uh, oh, okay. seven days, then Samuel came and then, oh, you know, okay. of course he's he's done all the you know, all this stuff. Yeah, because I was trying to read on ahead and I never see Gilgal again. <laughs> yeah. Not, they just left that out. Oh, it's in the next chapter. They didn't even bother telling me what happened there. Well, the rest know. of the story will come. When you meet Saul in the kingdom, you can ask him yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Anyway, uh, Saul's silence really spurs the uncle on. He's really interested in what happened. What's to know? And uh, especially when he learns that he met Samuel. I mean, that to him is is a big deal. Real big deal. Saul, only willing to tell him a little bit. That's kind of like a a young man, isn't he? He he said, what'd you do? Uh, uh, well, I met Samuel. Saul might be thinking, yeah, like you'd believe me anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, you Let me tell you these things that happened. Right. And it's his uncle. It's yeah. like a he got it's right, like, right. Yeah, but you know, like you said, they're set around so, your own family. How you act around yeah. other people. 
and then you go to your own family, and you just know, like I said, yeah. the family. All the other people can like you, and then you go home. You go home, and then all of a sudden, you're like, you try to say that to them, and you just get wah, wah, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's just like. No uh, way Jesus' family treated him. Right, right. The prop, there's no prophet. The prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Yeah, hometown. No matter what translation you get, it's always phrased that way. Like, why does it have to be phrased so backwards? Why can't you just say a prophet is not honored? Makes you pay attention. Yeah, yeah that's what it <laughs> makes you chew on that verse. <laughs> That's what the Bible does, doesn't it? <laughs> Makes you chew on it. Okay. I don't know who said it. I think John MacArthur said it once. Not everybody can read the Bible. Only a true believer can read the Bible and know Uncoded. Yeah. And that's only because... And we don't do all that good. When that was on some video we were watching with John MacArthur. It's like, well, I who was? Somebody years and years like, ago, somebody said, if you're not a Christian and you're reading the Bible, you're reading somebody else's mail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> well... The next indication here is going to be very public now. It's already been public, hasn't it? It's gone from Samuel to Saul to some people. And now the word's getting out. And now it is full-blown, very public. Thereafter, Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mitzpah. He said to the sons of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, God is going to remind them through Samuel what happened in their past and what they're doing now. I brought Israel up from Egypt and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians. Everybody knows that story, right? How often does he remind people of that? We constantly have to be reminded of the most basic things because we forget. And from the power of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you, but you have today rejected your God who delivers you from all your calamities and your distresses. Yet you have said, No, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And that's something Samuel says, here's what God is saying. This is the Lord speaking here really through Samuel and he tells them just a little bit about what God did and delivering them, doing all the great things. But today, you've rejected him because you want a king. So, Samuel says, present yourselves. You're getting your king. Thus Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. So it's like choosing lots. Benjamin comes up. Well, of course, Saul's from Benjamin. Then he brought the tribe of Benjamin nearby its families, and the Matrite family was taken. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken out of that. They're drawing the lots. 
But when they looked for him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? So the Lord said, Behold, he is hiding himself by the baggage. This is the military supplies. <laughs> the Lord was told where he was at, though. Could you see that? He's all hunkered down in this stuff. And they can't find him. The Lord says, there he is. There's the one. The coward you guys wanted. You gotta like this, don't you? A great big tall guy. You know, it's it's probably sticking out. You know, his head's up there. You don't try to go down like that. You know, the Lord is he gracious? He's merciful, and he's he can really be humorous sometimes. Why wouldn't he? He gave us the gift of humor. Why would he is throughout scripture? I don't remember this part. Isn't this great? Isn't this great? Probably through Samuel. So the Lord said. I think it's through Samuel. Samuel's getting all this. He just spoke to him earlier when you know Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mitzvah and said to the sons of Israel, "Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel." So I would tend to think that's what it would be, Debbie. Uh, I like that first word. Behold, <laughs> check this out. Hey, <laughs> look. <laughs> My name? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you're after me? I'm just sitting in my savior down here. Six foot six. How are you going to hide yourself in that baggage? So look at this. So they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any. They, they took this guy out of there, you know, right out of the, the you know, like the... The trash barrel over here, you know, maybe something like that. They just went over there and got him, and he stands up, and he's just taller than anybody. So if you have never seen him before, a lot of people know him. A lot of people have never seen him, and there he is. He is tall than any of the people from his shoulders upward. We've heard that before. Samuel said to all the people, "Do you see him, whom the Lord has chosen?" Whom he elected, you see, whoever God elects, that's what they're going to be. He was elected to be king. Here's the moral of the story for us. Whoever turns out to be president, God elected him to do that ultimately. No matter how good or how bad he is. Another big tall goofball. So is he in control? Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? whom the Lord has elected, surely there is no one like him among all the people. So Samuel's saying, there he is, right? Do you see him? There's no one I mean, he is handsome, more handsome than anybody in the whole nation, and he's taller than anybody. And if you can keep him out of the baggage, <laughs> <laughs> and obedient. Oh, man. 
So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. He's just made an announcement. Everybody knows. And it's the word is going to get out through all Israel. Not all of Israel is there that day. By the way, Mitzbah is the very same place where Samuel got them all together and they repented. And remember in chapter 7, that is that place where they were at. So if Mitzbah sounded familiar, that's why. It wasn't too long ago, was it? So this is a very public setting representing all of Israel. The, the place where they repented and they turned to God at the beginning of Samuel's ministry. That's when that was. <clears throat> so they were enthusiastic, full of optimism. And Samuel, you know, of course, he's reminded the Israelites that they had been disobedient and unbelief. They rejected God. And they're replacing the king of kings with a human king. And it's not going to be to God that's going to deliver them. It's going to be this human king. But really it's always been God who has delivered them. So in spite of Israel's sins, God is about to graciously give them the king that they are demanding. And of course, we know we've gone back to Deuteronomy 17 and he's to be the man of God's choosing. He certainly is. There is not going to be anybody saying, well, hey, we've got one over here and all of a sudden they have some kind of dispute going on. Then somebody else rises up. But I'm there sure. are some Democrats in here. Well, that's right. <laughs> right at the end. Right at the end. That's where we're going. But this process is for the benefit of the people now. It was first Samuel, then Saul, now the people of the nation. And they were to be convinced that Samuel is God's choice. Uh, yeah. So, I get this two S's there. It really gets me every time. So, um, here we go that we have long live the king. And then Samuel told the people in 25 the ordinances of the kingdom and wrote them in the book and placed it before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his house. This, this ordinance here would be, he's reminding the people of the regulations governing the conduct of the king, that would be out of the Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20. Now we could read it, but it's that passage that we've read for the last two, three weeks, I believe. Um, and so that would be the, the ordinances probably that we're speaking of here. And then 26, he went to his house of Gibeah at Saul. All the people now are distributed out, all going back home, also Saul. But he also has valiant men that go along with him. This would be the secret service. They are to protect him. Well, why is that? Yeah, maybe somebody might want to kill him or do something to stop him from being king. So they protect him wherever he goes. There are people that would like to harm him. So these valiant men are further evidence that Saul is indeed God's choice. Because we look at verse 27, and this is where Penny was talking about this. 
But certain worthless men said, How can this one deliver us? And they despised him and did not bring him any present, but he kept silent. So they despise him. They are the worthless fellows that we see throughout Scripture in the Old Testament. Not all the people see the way that most of them that we saw earlier, long live the king. There are some uh, there that would like to dispute this. Maybe to uh, capture Saul. But God is going to make sure. Have you noticed it? He's made it clear to everyone. And they know it. Everybody knows it. But there are always people who do not like God's ways. If you're picked by God to do something, there are going to be people that are going to challenge that. They have quite the disdain, or it's obvious, and Saul chooses to remain silent here, uh, kind of do nothing about them for the moment. They will appear again. I was going to say, should he... Shouldn't he have taken care of that immediately? I mean, technically he could, I think. He should have called them out in front of everybody? Maybe exposed them right away? Maybe they didn't show up right away. Like they said they that said they, they were kept, some. Kept silence, but it seems like that he, he, he's seen or was aware of... I wonder if or, he's even really decided that he is king at this stage yet. He's right. still... <laughs> He was just dragged out of baggage. They're not going to recognize him as king. Right. Right. It's interesting. We've had a president. I think he won by a landslide. I, I really do. I, I think he won by huge numbers, Trump did. And we have worthless fellows that are doing everything they can. And they w- they've never recognized our president who really has done some of the amazing things that I have, I can't even imagine uh, that he was able to fulfill promises like that. I've not seen president in my time that has done all those kind of things, and we've had one great one. That was Reagan. And so I think it's fascinating as we read along with that, it's, you know, not trying to read into it, but here you have people that will always pose a good thing. And that's what this was. Um, yeah. And they're going they're going to get together and they're going to have their plans and they're going to do what they want to do. But God is always going to win. What's that? Amen. But God. But God. <laughs> and He well, always the, wins. That's right. He always wins. What the Israelites really want, they wanted a king who would deliver them from their enemies. God has always done that. He never failed. But God always planned you know, I just to have a king. You have history, and you have history written down, and they want to change history so they can forget the past right. and make the same mistakes over right. and over and over and over and over again. I tell them what well, then changing the past is nothing new. They did that in the past. <laughs> yeah, that's the past we're trying to get rid of. That's the past coming back to the present. Yeah. Never gonna they have already forgotten history. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't and, even know all the presidents 
<laughs> I don't even know all the names of all the 50 states. There's 51, right? 50. Okay. Well, <laughs> there could be a there 51, 52, 52 there real be soon. Well, you can add, you know, the current public school system. No, nah, I've dropped out. <laughs> I don't care if you, if you did drop out. I've been in the public school it system. It doesn't matter. They don't teach anything. No, they don't. Anyway. I'm the American flag. 